Uh, John chapter 20, we'll begin again in verse number 1. Let us stand this morning for the reading of God's Word and honor God with all the things that we do this morning. John chapter 20 and verse number 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeing the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and com uh, commandeth this Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and shall said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, which is John, came to the sepulchre. So they ran to both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And him stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet when he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter and followed him and went in the sepulchre and seeing the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head not laying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then when he also, that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, he saw and believed. For as ye, yet they knew not the scriptures, but must rise again from the dead, then disciples went away again unto their own home. Let us pray to them. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord. We just thank you for each one that's here tonight. This morning, Lord, we just praise, Lord, that you touch us. Open our hearts and open our minds to receive the message that stand in need of. And Father, we just praise you for what you've done. We thank you for the day of resurrection, Lord, that we know that we know that we have a home that you've gone to prepare for us, Lord. Empty yourself and fill me with thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Here in the text, we find that uh, two of the Lord's closest friends uh, uh, are in a foot race uh, to see what Mary Magdalene had told them was true. She comes to where they're at, and she said, the Lord is not there. He is gone. He is risen. And they both take off running toward the tomb to see if what she has told them is the truth. John, the Bible says, outruns Peter. I've heard many reasons why he, this had happened. I've heard that because John was young, uh, uh, he was able to outrun Peter. But let me just say this to you this morning. When you're not right with God, you're not going to run as fast towards the things of God. Uh, at this point, Peter is not right with God. You know the story. You remember what he'd done just three days prior to this. He cussed and denied the Lord. And I'm not so sure he's so anxious to stare the Lord in his face this morning. If indeed he does run into the Lord, listen to me. Anytime you're not right with God, you're, not, you're a lot less likely to run to the church real excited. Any, anytime you're not right with God, you're a lot less likely to read your Bible. Anytime you're not right with God, you're a lot less likely to, re, uh, to witness to somebody. Uh, because you know, there is something between you and your soul and God this morning. We find that John makes it first. He, he outruns Peter to the tomb. But I want you to notice this. When he gets there, the first, first one there, he does not go in. The Bible said that he, he makes his way to the doorway to the tomb, and it said he went not in. He stopped. He stooped down. You can see him stooping down and looking inside the sepulcher. He takes a peek inside. And because he only looks in and does not go in, his viewpoint is a lot different. 
His perspective is a lot different. He, he, he's saying uh, uh, is the empty tomb is somewhat skewed from him, if you will. It's distorted from him. He's on the outside looking in. And can I say, when you're on the outside looking in, it looks a lot different from the inside looking out this morning. So John finally goes in. Peter runs to the tomb and he gets there and he pushes John out of the way and immediately goes right inside the tomb and he's inside the tomb and he sees the, the Bible said he sees the linen clothes there. He sees what John had saw when John uh, stooped down and looked in. He sees that. But Peter sees something different than what John sees because Peter's on the inside. He says, oh John, there's something down here that you need to See, uh, uh, you need to step down in here. You got the, you're looking on the outside. He's skeptical. But when he gets inside, he is certain, he's assured us that on the outside there's doubting, and on the inside there's determined. On the outside of the tomb, he is blinded, not knowing what is going to happen, getting on the inside. He's believing. Even the, he may not understand all that's going on, he says, and he, the Bible said, and he believed. So what I'm trying to tell you this morning, just for a minute or two. When you get on the inside, it makes an awful lot of difference in the world to you. See, I remember the day when I was lost without God. I, I was standing on the outside looking in. I, I didn't understand the resurrection Sunday. I didn't understand the shouting. I didn't understand why they would come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday and Sunday night. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why people get excited about talking about God. I did not understand why somebody would stand there and witness to me. I could not understand why somebody would listen to a preacher and sit there and shout and tears run down their eyes. I did not understand it because I I was on the outside looking in. But brother, when I got in, <laughs> my perspective changed. <laughs> When I got in, my view changed. When I got in, I got in. Now, I didn't know I get into the church. I got into Christ, and Christ got in me. Everything changed. I, I understand why they wanted to come to church. I understand why they want to come to Sunday school. I understand why they want to come to church on Wednesday night. I understand why they shout. I understand why they cry. I understand why they pray. I understand why they're telling people about Jesus. It's not your membership to the church. It's not your baptism in the church. But it's faith, believe in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross for you and I. That on the third day he got up out of that tomb. Amen. Praise God. There's something about that. I, I wonder, do you have a place or a moment in your life that when you say, yes, sir, preacher, 
I know there was a day the Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, and old things passed away, and behold, all things become new. I know there's a day. I know there's a place in my life that that happened in my life. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Do you have a place that like that in your life? Not, not that you got baptized, not that you joined a church. I'm, I'm asking you, you've got a place and a point in your life that you've got change and you've got on the outside and you've got on the inside. Amen. I, I love being on the inside. I love being on the inside. I see things different now than I did when I was on the outside. Let me give you three things. And I'll let you go. It's getting late. Let me give you three things if I can. What got John on the inside? You know, John ran to the tomb and he, he just kind of stooped over. You know, that's the way some of us, we just kind of look over in the church. You can't see everything stooping in there. You, just, you get a, a perspective of what you can see, but you don't get to see everything. And John just standing at the, uh, the opening of the tomb. He's looking in. Well, I wonder if everything's all right down there. Here comes old Peter. Peter, you know Peter, three days before that, he cussed and denied Christ and everything. But yet, Peter pushes John out of the way. He says, let me, boy, boy, I am going in. What got John to go in the tomb? Three things. I'll give you three things. First of all, what got John to go in the tomb? A person that he followed. There was a person that he followed into the tomb. The Bible said that Peter followed John into the tomb because John outruns into the tomb, but he doesn't go in. But he follows Peter inside. Verse 6 Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and unto the sepulchre, and seeth the linen cloth lie. And the napkin was about his head, not lying in the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. And after that, Peter gets in. Then he also, in the inside, the disciples said, John, I, I believe this. What was John in when somebody else went in first? He followed somebody else in. I, I believe old Peter got in there and he got to look around. He said, mm, John. There's something you got to see. Things look different inside here, John. Uh, you're not seeing everything right. Uh, I, I, you're looking from the outside to inside. I'm in from the inside to the outside. I see something totally different than what you see. You see what got John in that he followed someone else inside. Listen to me. I know you can't go to heaven hanging on your mother's coattail. I know you can't go to heaven hanging on to your father's uh, belt loop. I, I know you can't get to heaven by your mother or your father, or your grandmother's uh, uh, religion. But I'm going to tell you, there should be somebody, and I believe it right here to be true, there's everybody sitting here bought by the blood born again that somebody somewhere in their life pointed at them and just took them by the hand and led them in and showed them the way. I remember the old saints of my life. I looked at them how they live for God it wasn't just on Monday or Sunday or any other holiday they live for God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday, Friday, Thursday. I seen how they served God I seen what they went through and it was real in their life and I said that's something I've got to get a hold of I've got to get something that's real in my life
life. It's not just something fake like these other people got, but I've got to get a hold of something that's real in my life. I follow somebody else in. And I, and I can say this, probably everybody in your sitting right here now, you can point to somebody that you followed, that you latched a hold of. You said, I, I believe them to be real. I believe them to be true. They're not just some uh, Christians on Sunday and they're not on Monday. Can I say this, parents, mom and daddy, you need to be careful how you live your life. I'm just telling you, you've got kids, these young kids around here, they are watching you. They see how you live in your life. They know whether you're true on Sunday. They know whether you're true on Monday. They want to know that you're true on Wednesday. They want to know that you're still true on Friday. Let me just say, a lot of our lives tell a fact that we don't even know God because we're different from Sunday than we are Monday. We're not walking the same way. We come to church, oh, praising God, giving a shout for God. But when we get home on some Monday morning, it's a totally different story. And those kids are watching you. And I'm going to tell you, I know people come to me and say, hey, my kids are out in the world. They do this. They're doing that. They're doing all kinds of things. And I'll ask them, what kind of example did you give your kids as they were growing up? Well, I went to church. Going to church is not an example. It's not an example. You got to become the church. You got to be a part of the church. You got to let it get inside of you. You got to be what the church is on Sunday, the same way you're on Monday and Friday. You got to be the same way. Too many of the kids are seeing somebody different. They, rec- they don't even recognize mom and daddy on Sunday because they're not the same anymore. You want to know why your kids are going to disray in this world? Because you're setting the wrong example before them. You need to accept the, set the example and say, hey, I see what mama's going through. I see what my daddy's going through. I see what they're struggling with. I know their hurts and I know their pain, but I'm telling you, there's something different about them. They're still holding on. And let me tell you what, when the world's caving down in on them and they in their prayer closing, you hear them in their wailing, crying out for God. They, they want something like that. They want to see that you're real. We got too many fake Christians in this world today. Too many. You know why your kids are going out in this world and staying in this world? Look in the mirror. You set the example for them. Amen. Don't, don't bring them to church and expect the preacher or, or the Sunday school teacher to get your child saved. We only set an example for one day. You got them the rest of the time. You want your kids to grow up and serve God and be like, uh, love God and walk with God? Then you need to set that kind of example for them. You see, John followed someone in. I, I, like I said, I imagine some of y'all have got somebody in your mind right now. You could think in your mind, man, I, I remember that saint of God. I remember how they walked and how they talked and how they lived for God. I think it's one of the most damaging things that uh, talking about church society is the reason we're looking losing so many generations that we have today. We're not losing generation legalism or, 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 or liberalism. We're losing the next generation because mom and dad is not living the life they say they live. 
we, we're losing them. And I'm talking about following somebody this morning. Everybody in this ought to, ought to shout and thank God for somebody in your life that led you and pointed you to the way of God. I'm just curious, are you leading someone this morning? Are, are you leading someone this morning? Do you have so many eyes that's watching you this morning? I love these kids. That's why we try to tell you to, to be an example for them when they're here. To love them while they're here. Speak good to them while they're here. Because let me just say, a lot of those kids, their lifestyle ain't this at home. They, they need to know that there's somebody in this world that loves them, cares for them. And want to see them succeed in life. Not just to be yelled at or beat at. They need to see somebody that's going to reach out and help them. No matter what they're doing. Just reaching out and helping them. And let me tell you what. That sets a great example in those young people's lives this morning. It set a great example in my life. What about you? What about you? I'm wondering. are Are you got eyes on you this morning that's watching you? And seeing, hey, mom and daddy ain't the same at church they are at home. Hey, man, come on. I was like that. Raise your hand if you want to, but I was like that. I'd put on my Sunday school clothes just like everybody else and went to church and put that facade on. I knew exactly what to say and how to say it. I wasn't living the life when I go home. I, I wasn't living the life on Monday morning that I was. I just walked out on Sunday. I, that was me. I was not setting the example for my kids at home because they saw daddy was different. Are you different? How many eyes are watching you? It didn't have to be your kids. It could be kids around here. You see these kids running around? They're, they're, They're looking at you. They're watching you. You could be leaving, leading a family member, somebody, a close co-workers to Christ. They're watching you. As soon as you say, I'm a Christian, they'll start watching your life to make sure you say what you are. Because if you watch long enough, a lot of times our life don't say that. So John got in because he followed someone in. Can I say this? There was a promise of future. John is stooping down and he's looking in and look at verse number 5. And he's stooping down and looking in and saw the linen clothes lying. That, that's all John can see. He, he can't see nothing else until he gets in. So what does he see when he gets in? Look at verse number 6. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and seeing the linen clothes lie. He sees the same thing but there's something that you can't see on the outside. Unless you're on the inside. As a promise for the future. Verse number 7. And the napkin was about his head. Not lying in the linen clothes. But wrapped together in a place by itself. Now if I'm reading this is right. The linen clothes is on one end of the tomb. And the napkins unfolded. And on the other end of the place of the tomb. One was at the head. And the other one was at the feet. The opposite end. Evidently from the outside, John looking in, he could not see. The only thing he could see was the linen clothes. He could not see that folded napkin. You see, until you get inside. So what is about this folded napkin? 
Can I say one thing about this snapping and we'll read fast? One thing that gives you validity to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know that the, that the lie that the Jews told, tell them that somebody stole their bodies. Some, some of the disciples came in the middle of the night and took his body. The problem with that is, if they're going to rob a grave, there was a Roman soldiers guarding the grave. The opening. And who in the world would take a napkin from the face of a dead man and fold it up and put it in a different place? I'm just telling you, that's just a lie that was thrown out there. They laid the napkin in a different spot. Tell him he didn't get up. That story was a lie. Here's the promise for the future that you and I can only see when you're on the inside of the tomb. The promise was that napkin was folded by itself. They would have put that napkin over his face when he died. They laid it on their face and they folded it and put it in another place. It might not mean much to you this morning. It might not mean much in that generation. But in that generation, in that day, in that period, it meant a whole lot of Bible. See, the Bible, when John saw, he said, when he saw, he believed. What is it about that folded napkin that made him believe it was a promise for the future? They, they say in Jewish days and back in those days that if you were invited to a supper, you go and you go to have supper with someone and as you were eating, they pass out a napkin and you would take that napkin and use it. And as you were eating, if you got finished with your eating, uh, napkin, finished with your food, and you didn't want nothing else, and you was done, you would ball that napkin up and just throw it right on your plate. So when the servants come by, they see that balled up napkin on the plate, they say, hey, he's finished, he's done, he's not coming back, I ain't got to worry about it, I can pick it up, I can get rid of it. That's, that was the Jewish custom. But, but, if something would happen and the master was eating and something called him away, and said, hey, we need you to come right now. And he says, I'm not finished. So what he would do, he would fold that napkin, and he would lay it in a separate place. So the servants would come by, and they'd look at the plate, and they'd say, hey, there's the folded napkin. What does that say? That means he ain't finished. That means he's got unfinished business. That means he's not done. That means he's coming back. Uh, let me just say, that folded napkin is the promise of, of future for you and I, that he folded that napkin. He said, I ain't finished. I ain't done. Hey, he said on the cross, uh, he didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. Uh, hey, hey, I'm glad he's coming back. He folded that napkin and as a promise for you and I that he's coming back. Amen. It might not mean much to you, but let me tell you what. It tells me a lot. It tells me a lot. Now, I, believe, I believe when Jesus showed up later on to the loving disciples, John's standing there and Jesus shows up. He just walks through the door. He ain't got to use the door no more. I believe John says, boys, that didn't surprise me. What do you mean, John? I saw the folded napkin. I, I knew he wasn't done. I knew he wasn't finished. 
That, that didn't surprise me. And let me just say this. When the clouds roll back and he steps out and he calls his children home, I'm just going to tell you that. That ain't going to surprise me. That ain't because I've I seen the folded napkin. I'm telling you. I got on the inside and I saw the promise of the future. And he said he's coming back. And if he's coming back, I believe it. That's all I got to do is believe it. And he's coming back. It's not going to surprise me. The day could be the day. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Y'all can't get excited about that. The reason why you can't get excited about it is because you don't want him to come back. You don't want him to come back. I ain't ready. You better get ready. You better get ready. You better know, you better know, you better know. Because he's coming back. He's coming back. R.G. Lee was a great preacher. In fact, he started the church that Agent Roger preached at. Great preacher. Preached a, a, one of the greatest messages I ever listened to. Payday someday. And uh, I listened to that. But he said as a young boy, he was born in 1886, same year my grandfather was born in. And I'm not that old just in case you think I'm that old. <laughs> he was born the same year as my grandfather, 1886. He died in 1976. And, and he was on a porch and it was during the Civil War, and uh, well, he was on the porch with his mother years later, and he said to his mother, Mother, what is the happiest day of your life? And she was sitting there crocheting. He said she put that crocheting down and just kind of looked off in space. He said, well, son, I guess the happiest day of my life is when my father came home from the war. He said, what are you talking about? See, during the Civil War, he had their daddy and his, he had some kids and he was young and they went off to fight in the Civil War. Left he, uh, her and her brothers and sisters and the mother to fend for themselves there. And they said it went on for years. Father went and been racked. Ain't heard nothing from father. Next thing you know, she said, we got a mail. We got a mail and said, your husband's been killed in action. Was killed in action. He said it just, just destroyed the family. See, his mother tried to not show it, but in the bedroom in the back of the house, you could hear her in there crying. So we were sitting out on the porch one day. She's crocheting again. And off in the distance of the dusty road down there, she saw this figure of a person walking towards the road. And she stopped and she looked. The kids were on the front porch and said, Who's that? She said, son, she said, son, that looks like your daddy. He looked down, he couldn't see but a silhouette of a man down there. It's dusty and dark and walking, but they kept walking towards them. She kept going, kept going. And then she said, he said, Mama, who was that? She says, it looks like your daddy. He said, about 30 seconds, she hadn't said nothing about that time. She let her, woo, out. And got up and busted running it was her, her daddy. It was her daddy. He didn't die in the war, but he lost his arm in the war. So he said, his mother told him, says, son, I guess the happiest day in my life is when I saw my father coming down that road. Christian, can I tell you the happiest day in your life is going to be when you see your father step out and call you home? Amen. 
What a happy day that will be. And someone, someone led him in. And then there's the promise for the future. Then we know that we're going to have happiness. There's also a perspective that was flipped, that was changed. His perspective changed. Watch how it changed in verse number 8. Then when also that other disciple, talking about John, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. Verse 9. For as yet they knew not the scriptures what must be rise again from the dead. Once, once he got on the inside, that is that when he starts believing. Early in text you find Mary runs and tells them that he is alive. You just don't understand it. Why, why would you read companion scripts? You go over to Luke chapter 24. You'll find that Mary had already went inside the tomb. And she was so excited to tell them he was alive. Because she's already been inside the tomb. But John hadn't been in yet. And doesn't understand all the excitement that's going on. You see, when somebody has been in, they will tell you all about it. They'll tell you about what happened, how it changed, how it changed your life. You just can't understand everything about it. You can't understand it all for yourself. He went in and believed. Verse number 9, he, he knew not the scriptures that he must rise again. You see, John doesn't know all the scriptures. And he doesn't have to know because he just believes. You might say, I don't understand everything this morning. I don't understand all of what you're talking about. I don't, I don't understand all this resurrection stuff. I, I just can't understand all of it. I read my Bible and just can't understand it. Let me just say, I'll tell you this. God says you don't have to understand all of it. But you just got to believe. What got him inside, when he got inside, he saw the napkin. He says, I believe. He didn't need anything else. He didn't have to expound on the scriptures or anything. He saw the proof of future for him that said, I believe. Can I tell you this morning, there's a folded napkin for you and I. You might not understand everything going on. You might not understand everything I've said this morning. All you need to understand is that you are a sinner Lost without God, and you need a Savior. You say, well, how do I know I'm a sinner? Mm, I'm glad you asked that. I'm so glad you asked that question. How do you know that you're a sinner? We're all born sinners. There's not one righteous, no, not one. There's not one person sitting here born righteousness and say, I'm good enough to make it to heaven. I am good. I, can, I don't need anything. Every one of us born a sinner to die as a sinner. That's what the Bible tells us. You're a sinner. You're dying. You're going to hell. But it says, I send you one to die upon the cross. And on the third day, he'll raise. And you believe on that. Live on that, that folded napkin of the promise of the future, that he's coming back. That's all you got to believe. I believe he died and rose on the third day for me and you. That's all I got to believe. I don't understand all the Bible. I don't understand all the ins and outs of it. I'm just going to believe on that folded napkin that he's coming back to get me. 
and I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Amen. You're a sinner this morning. Let me just say we're all sinners saved by grace. You sitting here say, well, I, I, I don't think I need to get it today. I preached the other message the other, night, other, other day. It's now. It is now. You're not promised the moment you walk out the door to be back here on another service. The time is now. You know in your heart, and I don't have to point you out, I don't have to call you out, you know in your heart right now that you're lost and undone. If you die today, hell will be your home. You ought to get it right at the altar with God right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because I don't know what tomorrow holds. But thank God I know who holds tomorrow. Let us stand.